One month ago, on August 5th, the Philadelphia Phillies, the Milwaukee Brewers, and the St. Louis Cardinals were all tied at 58 and 48. Since that time, the Phillies have gone 15 and 13. The Brewers have gone 13 and 15. The Cardinals have done their usual thing late in the season and taken off and are no longer relevant for our conversation. The San Diego Padres, a fourth team that was in the mix and was actually ahead of those other three teams by a game and a half has gone 13 and 14 in that time. So all of that combines to bring us to today where the Philadelphia Phillies are still mathematically and in reality, a playoff baseball team. And yet, and yet there's this creeping feeling settling over the Delaware Valley and places beyond. There is this creeping feeling that September has arrived, and with it, all of the old ghosts of recent past, where, for different reasons, for different faults, the Phillies have just not made it work. This year should be different. Capital S on that should. Will it be different? Everybody in that clubhouse and around that team would like you to believe it would. Do I believe it will be different? Yes, for now. But there isn't a whole lot of time to really reinforce that feeling, really hammer it home that this year will be different. So for the moment, for the moment, here on September 6th, 2022, with the Philadelphia Phillies in playoff position by multiple games with tiebreakers, Matt Gelb, I pose the question to you. Why does it feel like it has before? And how can we make sure that it feels different this time around? Can we even do that? This is really dramatic. Thank you. <laughs> I re- <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm a theater kid. I have to, you know, pizzazz it up a little bit every once in a while. No, but really, like what? The, the, the Phillies have a wild card spot right now. They're tied with San Diego. They're two games up on Milwaukee. They have tiebreaker on both. That West Coast trip, we're not really even going to talk about it that much. It was bad. They could have put Milwaukee away. Okay, they didn't. They had that lead. They had that padding, and some of it eroded away. They lost a game and a half on Milwaukee. They're still in the playoffs, and now they get to play really bad teams for the next week. We should be still feeling okay. I'm still feeling mostly okay, but I get the the pervasive feeling out there that there's just this the, the, the shoulders are tense. The butts are clenched. Nobody's really feeling like they're in a good position right now. Do you get, you don't get that sense from inside the clubhouse though, do you? No, it's a different, it's, it's a, it's a vastly different feeling. I would say in this clubhouse than in September's past. And, and, and I, I look, I think what this last week underscored for us is that the Phillies are a good team, not a great team. Mm-hmm. They are the fifth or sixth best team in the National League. And I actually did some thinking on this too, Paul, and I, and I think some of it is a little uh, – it, it depends on your perspective here. I mean, okay. really, the Phillies are on pace for 88 wins this season, okay, which is, which is quite good. And it's actually really good when you think about it being the sixth best record in the National League. That's true. I think what skewed our perspective this year a little bit is that the National League is really good. I it's mean, very good. Really, really good. I think the Dodgers are in a tier of their own, obviously. I think the Mets and the Braves are in that next tier. I think you could argue that the Cardinals are a tick below those two, but are legitimate contenders. Absolutely. They always are. And and I think while the Brewers and the Padres haven't played great along with the Phillies, those are three solid teams teams that in normal national league seasons uh w- w- would be looking quite good right now i think and, and and i wish i would have done this before the pod but if you want to go back i would love to know how many years the sixth best team in the national league won 88 games and i'm going to guess it's very few seasons 
I would guess the same. I do not have that in front of me, but I will try and look it up. No, <laughs> I, I agree with you. And I, I think the thing I'm trying to push back on really hard in this case, I'm trying to stick with the feeling I've had for the past few weeks, which is exactly what you were just saying, that this is a good baseball team. This is a playoff caliber baseball team, especially in an expanded field. And it's too early to get like so down on everything. And it doesn't even make total sense because they are a playoff team right now. And I, I get it. I, I lived the last few Septembers with everybody else out there. Things went badly. And I get that there are scars. And I do that. Look, I, I won't say I don't feel it at all because I do. Of course, you know, I, I want Aaron Nola to put his September ghost behind him. I don't want this team to lose seven of its last eight coming down the home stretch. I don't, you know, I don't want any of that. I, I want this playoff baseball team. But right now, all the other work they've done in the previous five months has them in a position to actually do that. They've let a little bit of it erode, but not completely. They are not chasing anybody right now. They're not. They're just not. They're not chasing Atlanta or the Mets. Those two are doing their own thing. They're not chasing the Cardinals, you know, because they're now winning the Central. That's fine. They are not chasing Milwaukee or San Diego. <laughs> they're leading them. With the tiebreaker, they they are leading those teams. Yeah, and that's the difference between this this September and September's past is they were chasing, and and your margin for error is, is zero. Right now, I I think I understand the current sentiment. That's because some of the cracks in this roster have started to to form and Indeed. show. Yep, and 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 I think there is this familiar feeling, especially when you look at the pitching, that we've had in previous Septembers where you look up on all of a sudden you're like, is there enough to, to get them to the end here mm -hmm. and not just get them to the end, but get them in and give them a shot, you know, in a, in a three game series. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, th I think there is, but I have, uh, I think the last week has given everyone a little bit of pause and you've seen the club react as such. And they are, you know, thinking about different ideas here with regards to the pitching, especially. So let's let's look at it from a, like a very critical, slightly pessimistic side, just to try and try and be as realistic about this as we can without being too dramatic. We have Aaron Nola, who was in position to maybe have an outside chance year's end if he kept going strong with like a like a fifth place Cy Young finish, like maybe. And then he lays an egg and you think, oh, no, September. Here it goes again. Not looking great on the whole season. Still really good, but you wonder about his next start, how he's going to come out. You would figure he's on the playoff roster anyway, but how much can you trust him if he's going to pitch like this? Kyle Gibson, not great. Would probably be on the playoff roster, but you kind of know what you're going to get out of him, and it's it's not great, and you're facing some of the best teams in the NL at that point. Uh, you grit your teeth. Ranger Suarez, big concern there. Uh, all of a sudden, really can't pitch beyond three innings for some reason. Not, not totally sure what's happening there. Zach Wheeler, hurt. Will he be back in time for uh, a little bit of a tune-up? Probably. What will he look like? Who knows? We'll have to see. Zach Eflin coming back as a reliever. Bailey Falter and Christopher Sanchez. We've talked about them before. Rotation's not looking great. That's even before you get into the relievers. You know, it's it's why I, I try and think about the Corey Knable loss and reevaluate, I guess, my reactions to it fairly frequently. Like, like losing Sir Anthony Dominguez, I think, is unequivocally not good. And everybody would agree with that. It would be nice to get him back and have him looking the way he has looked. Corey Knable did not have a great season with this team, but he is not a bad major league relief pitcher. And when you lose somebody like that, even if they're in the midst of a tough stretch, you have to fill their spot with somebody else who is either more unproven, more of an unknown, just lesser in general. And I think we're seeing a little bit of the how much worse could it get than Corey Knable situation happening here. The Phillies had to go out and make a, a, a last-ditch trade for Vinny Natoli, who they immediately added to the roster just to try and plug a hole and give themselves a new option. Um, Dave Robertson has been worked very hard and hasn't really fared well as those hard working outings have gone deeper. Like I don't, I don't blame him for the Wilmer Flores home run. Like He was, he was really getting pushed again. Nick Nelson is still high on the depth chart. Connor Brogdon, it can kind of 
it can kind of leave him sometimes. Sam Grunrod is still working himself back. You're right in that things just got really thin almost out of nowhere. I, I feel like it was just a week or two ago we were talking about how this bullpen is just an unbelievable revelation. And in some ways they still kind of are, they're still getting really nice, you know, breakout seasons from Andrew Bellotti, but he's a Cinderella situation. When's midnight coming for him. It just seems to be so soon and so sudden that all of a sudden we're like, wow, the pitching really is kind of thin, isn't it? I just want to come back to one thing, and I did this while you're talking, and I know what you're saying. There since, we go. The ad, <laughs> since the advent of the wild card in 1995, uh-huh. there's been one, two, three, four, four seasons in which the sixth best team in the National League had 88 wins. Okay, so four times in 27 years. All right, glad I vamped long enough for you to get that. No, that's no, good. Sorry. I mean, the last one was 28. <laughs> the last one was 2018. The Cardinals had 88 wins. The of course, it was the Cardinals. Team. Yeah. Uh, 2004, the Cubs had 89 wins as the sixth best team. 2001, the Cubs had 88 wins as the sixth best team. And 1998, the Mets had 88 wins as, as the sixth best team. So Interesting. it's okay. happened, but not yeah. a lot. Um, so anyway, yeah, well, think things, if, you know, if you have a week like their starters just did, 24 innings from their starters in six games on that road trip, mm. four per game, yep. uh, all of a sudden, yeah, things start looking real thin because you're, you're starting to have to lean on your relievers big time. And how funny is it? I guess it's not funny. Maybe a, 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 a sicko funny, but like the, the most reliable guy was <laughs> Bailey Falter. Oh boy. You know, Bailey Falter gave them yeah. the best start that they had on that trip. That's right. And you know, he's going to stay in the rotation here because Zach Wheeler is not, uh, not ready to come back and Falter, you know, weather permitting is supposed to pitch Wednesday night this week against Miami. Uh, he's, he's in the rotation. And like, I guess it's the point where it's like, like, does he stay in the rotation even when Wheeler comes back? I don't know. I mean, Falter's last three or four, it's not just this last one. His last three or four have been really solid. Yeah, I he's mean, on a nice run. Really solid. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he's the only one giving you length, really. And uh, things look thin. You're right, Paul. I mean, Knable, that's a great point. Connor Brogdon, you know, you really, there's something going on. I don't know what it is. I've asked. I've watched. I've seen things. Something's going on. Uh, he, he really can't pitch back to backs. Like, you know, uh, it, it's been erratic, uh, you know, really just kind of disappointing. Cause I thought he would take off a little bit. I didn't think he was ever going to be a closer, you know, but I thought he could be a, 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 a really solid setup guy. Mm. And, and I don't think he's that he's a middle reliever for them right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you look at, and you look at the, the bullpen depth chart, you see a lot of middle relievers, right? Yes. Brad hand is probably a middle reliever even though he's been used in, in, in really big spots. You know, I would say the only setup closer types they have right now in this bullpen are Robertson and Alvarado. Yeah, that's fair. And, and yes, Dominguez is a huge loss. He's supposed to throw to hitters. Uh, Tuesday, we're taping this Tuesday morning. It, it's raining like crazy. I, I highly doubt he's going to be able to throw to hitters today because of the weather. Zach Eflin was also supposed to throw to hitters. Both those guys are, are on a really good path right now. Uh I think Dominguez is going to be back. If I had to guess uh, the first game of the next road trip, which would okay. be uh, Tuesday, a week from today. Cause they're okay. off again. They're off every Monday in September. Very strange. Uh, it will help them with padding their rotation. Those frequent off days, but yeah, that'll be nice. I'm going to guess that Dominguez goes and throws maybe, maybe one or two minor league rehab games, probably two if they can squeeze it in. Uh, and, and then he's back. Okay. Uh, Eflin, is really interesting. Uh, I had totally written him off. I think just about everybody had. Uh, I think I had, about yeah. Two weeks, two weeks ago or 10 days ago, his his knee started feeling way better. And maybe he's just pitching through something. You know, maybe he's just, there's a certain level of pain that he's going to pitch through. It's not 100%, but it feels better. And uh, he he's, he's really trending well here. Like he is on a path to come back. And uh, he's kind of interesting because he's never been a reliever ever before. Uh, save for like two weeks when he kind of got into it with Gabe Kapler and Chris Young and they took him out of the rotation and it was uh-huh. kind of a shit show. And yeah. yeah. Uh, but Eflin is interesting because you start thinking about Suarez, for example, uh, they, they probably have to think about different ideas with Ranger at this point. Yeah. Clearly uh, fatigue, uh, you know, whether it's the back injury that's bothered him, he's still getting treatment on it. He, he says he's fine. He says he feels good. 
know, JT Real Muto who's caught him says the stuff still looks really good. He just needs to throw more strikes. And yeah, I mean, that that's pretty obvious, but the command is obviously leaving him at, you know, as he gets deeper into pitch counts and deeper into games. And uh, I think it's fair to say that it's some sort of fatigue issue at the very least. And whether it's a health issue or not, it's at least a fatigue issue. So you look at Eflin, like, what if Eflin was a was a one or two inning opener for Ranger Suarez because then you have a righty and then you have Suarez as the bulk guy, the lefty. It makes makes teams think about their lineup decisions. Uh, you know, do you stack the top of your order with lefties, uh, even though you know you're probably going to get Suarez, you know, twice through the order or one one and a half times through the order. I don't know. I mean, it yeah. just gives you ideas. It gives you different ideas, and it's a way to get deeper into the game with Suarez. You know, maybe Eflin for two innings and then Suarez for three innings or four innings if he's pitching well. You know, Griff McGarry is going to be in the majors at some point here. Uh, They fast-tracked it. You know, they had been talking about it for weeks. Uh, Never really seriously talking about it, my understanding is. Uh, Until the injuries? yeah, Yeah, I think the depth situation really prompted them and the Suarez situation and the fact that they're you know, really not going to lean on Noah Syndergaard to throw, you know, go three times through an order. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know that Syndergaard's going to go three times through an order the rest of the season again, uh, unless he's, you know, pitching really well. They will have an aggressive hook on him, and rightfully so. Like, I don't think he's a guy that you're looking to go three times through the order right now, especially in September. So all that combined led them to really fast-track McGarry. Part of it, too, was the blister thing that McGarry's been dealing with. It's, it's, uh, Longer outings haven't haven't been good for him. He's kind of lost his command, and the blister has hurt him more later in games. So they're like, well, what if we shorten his outings and make him a little more frequent and see what happens? He was going to pitch Monday uh, for AAA. He got promoted. Uh, they got rained out naturally. They were the only team playing uh, on, on Labor Day. All the other affiliates were off, so they pushed him up there to get him in the game. Because uh, he pitched Friday in relief, okay, and so they gave him Saturday, Sunday, and he was going to pitch Monday in relief at Lehigh Valley. Got got banged there, so he will pitch, I presume, uh, Tuesday night, which would mean three days between appearances. He threw like thirty five pitches his first one, you know, solid command. The, the stuff ticked up as you would expect as a more max effort kind of reliever role. Uh, I, I fully expect him to be in the big leagues, uh, maybe by the end of this week. Uh, they are they're really interested. They have a need, um, so there. So it, they they're thinking about different ideas, and it, and it, it just brings you back though to these years where they're running out of pitchers, and you're like, oh oh no, like because they're coming up with bullpen games, they're coming up with piggyback <laughs> right. situations, and you're like, I thought we were going to avoid this again, but maybe the reality is that like it's unavoidable. I mean, you look at some of the teams around, like the Dodgers right now have major pitching injuries, you know, major pitching sure. injuries. They just put Gonsolin and Price on the IL. Uh, you know, a, a lot of concerns, and and they and they have guys who are starting and are three inning pitchers, and uh, they're just coming up with different ideas. They're just throwing numbers at it, basically. Uh, the the Mets have been in a similar situation. They've lost some starting pitchers. They're just kind of throwing numbers at it. Maybe this is just reality, Paul. Like maybe this is Major League Baseball now. Like September is just a total adventure, and you just got to you have to throw numbers at it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the case. You know, we tend to look at this team and, and its problems and its issues as they arise and think that, you know, rightly or wrongly, sometimes the, the, how extreme it is, is unique just to this team or that, that we are only dealing with this extreme level at this particular time when, um, in reality, that's not always the case. And not everybody thinks that, of course. It can just kind of feel like that when you have a favorite team and you you pay so much attention to the details of this one team and you're like, oh, man, there are so many cracks here. Why don't these other teams have all these things to deal with? And, you know, in reality, they do. Um, yeah, it's, it's a problem, I think that McGarry had to be fast-tracked the way he did. It, it'll be exciting to see him if he, if and when he does make it. I'm interested to see how his stuff plays right now toward major league hitters. I know that doesn't mean that's how it's always going to look, of course, but it will be nice to see what he can do. Yeah. And I don't know that they're moving him this fast just because they need him. I think there's a need on also. They think he can do it. Of course. You know, I I think he's, I think his numbers in triple A or excuse me, double A 
you know, obviously the walks of the command is always going to be concerned, but double a hitters are now batting uh 123 with a 170 slug against him. And that's in 106 APs. I mean, that's, that's great. That's special. Yeah. Well, look, and I mean, some of this is about capitalizing on the way certain guys are playing right now, right? You can make that argument with Dalton Guthrie, the fact that he inserted himself into the mix. He was playing so well. And on the, on the converse, on the opposite side, you could say, well, Francisco Morales' time has passed because you look at what he's done the last few outings and he's he should probably be shut down for the rest of the season. Um, I just think he's going to go to AFL. He, okay. Uh, he, he's just, he's young. You know, yeah. it's a new role for him this year. They were, they had a really high, uh, they, they had, I wouldn't say had high expectations. They had high hopes for him this year because they, because when the transition happened in late spring, they were uh-huh. really blown away. Yeah. And early on at Reading, it was tremendous. Yeah. Uh, but he, he's young and uh, he needs a little bit of time to figure yep. it out. And I, I think he's going to go to Arizona Fall League, I believe. Okay. And that's fine. And like I said, the, the, the same thing with McGarry. It doesn't mean that's what he's always going to be. It's late in the season. Fatigue is probably an issue. Like you said, new role, new transition. Command has always been a little bit iffy for him, but now it's really just kind of left him. And he's got some work to do. Okay, fine. Book's not closed. But when you have the opportunity to to capitalize on these guys playing well, you have to you have to at least see if it'll work. It worked for the most part with Derek Hall earlier in the year. Um, doesn't always work. Um, you look at what Matt Veerling has, has kind of turned into, and he was not able to to recreate his magic from last year. Um, but this, this team's problems are just, they're every team's problems, except maybe the Dodgers, I guess the Dodgers have some pitching issues. Sure. But every time they plug somebody in, whether it's on the pitching side or the hitting side, it just seems to work. They're just one of those teams for whom no move is the wrong move. Um, this Phillies team though, is not in that position and they are trying to make it work with, you know, the pitching injuries, losing Castellanos and having to sub in Dalton Guthrie, like we're talking about it. It, it's it's a blessing in a way that this is happening now when for the next week, the Phillies play very bad teams. Sure, there's a, an Atlanta and Toronto block on the horizon. That's fine. That's, that's next week plus's problem. Right now, in this week, assuming they can play most of these games given the weather, this is a chance to wipe that taste out of, that, uh, out of your mouth from the West Coast trip. Sure, they went one and five. San Francisco and I guess Arizona now, they have they are and always have been a house of horrors. I can go back to like the 2010 and 2011 teams when, you know, they would get blooped to death out in San Francisco. And it just it drives me it drives me crazy. I hate San Francisco series more than I hate Mets and Brave series. Drives you me have Cody, Cody Ross memories. You know what? Maybe that's just maybe that's when it all started. It, it would make sense. You know, that 2010 team, that was at least a good Giants team. And yes, of course, I have envy that they ripped off, you know, three World Series wins in five years. And that was the start of it. And my own team, you know, decayed and and fell into the abyss. In the meantime, sure, all of that's true. But no matter how good or bad the Phillies are, it just always seems like whoever's on San Francisco at the time, I, I I don't know who it could be. Whenever they go out to San Francisco, it's just the most maddening crap every year. I just, I, I can't get over it. It just affects me in a way that no other series or team affects me. And it has for a decade now. It, it, I, I hate it. Anyway. Isn't it interesting that they caught, it's funny how like you talk about the schedule, right? And yeah. everyone hates talking about that. But sometimes the schedule is more about the quality of the team you're playing. It's less about the quality of the team you're playing and more about when you're catching this team. Yes. And the Phillies caught the Diamondbacks at a time where, uh, I mean, they're flying. Like, go look at what they've done now, you know, since the Phillies left. And, and uh, they, they played very well against the Brewers. They were yeah. playing well right before the Phillies got there. They probably had the most athletic lineup in Major League Baseball right now, which is strange. And then they caught the Giants. The Giants had lost seven in a row. But right before the Phillies got there, uh, they made a couple roster moves. And they basically signaled that, you know, we're, we're out of it. We're done. You know, but we're September, we're just going to play loose and we're going to, you know, just we're going to see what a couple guys can do for us. We're going to bring in, you know, some younger guys and some different guys. We're just going to see how it works. Uh-huh. And then, you know, the Phillies leave and then the, the, the Giants go to L.A. and win the first game uh, at Dodger Stadium. So they've won four in a row now. So 
it's always about when you catch a team and sometimes you catch a team in a real vulnerable state, a good team in a vulnerable state. And you just wipe the floor with them and you're like, Oh wow. Sometimes you catch a really bad team. that's just feeling good about themselves. The nationals just went to New York and beat the Mets in a series. Right. I mean, I don't know. Like you just, it's sometimes it's about when you catch a team and certainly the Phillies are catching the Marlins and nationals at, at a time when they, when they really need to get right. And I'm wondering, Paul, like, what do you think? Like what, do they have to go five and two here at the very least these seven games? Well, if they play against these teams, like they have been playing against, you know, sub 500 and out of contention teams, then, then that, that shouldn't just be what they should do. It should be the expectation that they take, you know, at least what, six games to so four out of six, five and one, whatever it is, they should win both series. Um, just because, oh, sorry, it's only six games. Why right. I yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. So yeah, five and one, four and two. Yeah, Does four and two do it. Yes, I don't know. Yes, yeah. and, and yeah. that should be the standard for playing these kinds of teams, the way they're playing right now, and the way we expect the Phillies to play against teams that are out of it. If things continue to go wrong, maybe if more injuries happen, you hope not, of course. Uh, guys who have been shaky continue to look shaky. Maybe Ranger has a bad turn. Maybe Brogdon continues to look iffy. Um, who knows, maybe center field continues to just be whatever center field is, um, then, okay, that's only going to increase the concerns because you're going to go on the road. You're going to play in Miami, which people are still going to be like, oh, here, here comes a series against the Marlins, even though they've been playing better against the Marlins this year. That's not fully shaken yet. And then you go into Atlanta, home against Toronto, home against Atlanta. And if you are playing bad ball, into that stretch, into that nine-game stretch, which is, yes, next weekend and beyond's problem for right now. If you have let all of your lead erode, if you are, God forbid, you find yourself trailing by a game after that, then it is time to panic because those are good teams. Those are teams that still have something to play for, so they're not letting up. And if we reach the third and fourth week of September after playing six against Miami and Washington with a chance to pad the lead and erase whatever just happened on the West Coast and get back and get right and hopefully get some guys healthy, then yes, I will I will join the folks who are very worried because that means they will have squandered a bigger opportunity than this West Coast trip was to add to their lead, to secure their position, and instead would introduce more doubt into the system. I would hope and trust and lean on the guys. You know, we were just, we were talking about how, how the, the clubhouse vibe is different this year than in years past, you know, Kyle Schwarber and the like actually injecting a bit of, of different energy and, and, you know, keeping your head screwed on straight. I would have to lean on that clubhouse to really keep this together because the pressure from the outside, from us as fans, I won't really apply that because that's not my bag. But there will be people who will lean heavy into this. There will be people. I don't think it's already happening. Oh, oh, sure, sure. But I'm just saying, like, if if this trip, if this 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 turn against Miami and Washington goes poorly too, look out. And I, I'm not even going to try and hold it back at that point. I, I think it's going to be deserved because this is the time when you need to tell people that things are actually different. Look inside that clubhouse. I, I do hope that message is out there. And I hope everybody is buying in and I hope all the players, you know, the ones who actually play the games and rack up the runs and prevent the other team from scoring, you know, are actually the ones who buy in and, and feed off of that. But from the outside, people are really, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. And I say that even grading on the Philadelphia fanhood curve, it is going to be hard to really break through if this week goes poorly, I hate even talking about it because things are aligned pretty well for them to do well. These two teams are not playing well and the Phillies are coming in and playing at home where they haven't been amazing, but at least it is at home. Th this is it. Like they, they need to do a little bit here. This is why the expectation needs to be bare minimum four and two. And if they come out and fall flat and they lose this first series in Miami, it's going to build. If they scuffle against Washington, it's going to build. I would hate to, feel that energy or see what that looks like. So I'm hoping it just gets headed off at the pass because it could, it could really be borderline suffocating around here. If this week goes poorly, I hate to put that much importance on it on a Miami and Washington homestead, but like, that's what it feels like right now. 
Yeah, it does. I mean, these next nine games uh, are really going to set the tone for the remainder of the month. And, and like, you know, yeah, there's still seven games against the Braves. The Phillies have, have played the Braves well. They're six and six against the Braves. I mean, That's they've right. risen to the occasion against the Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, remember, you know, they end the season with, with a, a really long road trip that has a doubleheader in it. Right. Uh, in Washington, it finishes with Houston. Maybe one of the bigger developments, Paul, has been that uh, those last three games for Houston are probably going to be meaningless for them. Yes. Uh, they likely will have locked up the number one seed by then in the American League. And I would be really surprised if they're using their guys now. The I guess the exception to that is that they're going to have at least five days off. You know, like the number one that the, the series yep. get, get buys, like are mm-hmm. going to have. Uh, are going to have a really extended period off. I think it's five or six days from the end of the regular season. So I don't know that they're going to like sit everybody. Um, you know, maybe their regular starting pitchers, you know, throw shortened starts, shortened outings, but they're not necessarily going to sit everybody because they're going to sit for five or six days. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it, they're going to have some tune up appearances. I would think maybe if, you know, when Justin Verlander comes back from his IL stint and needs to throw an inning or two, you know, maybe that happens, but for the most part, no, I I would think they'd have at least early substitutions, you know, getting guys into the game and, and and swapping things around, maybe uh, experimenting. I I don't know if there are people that they want to see in different positions. I'm I'm not as familiar with Houston's situation to that level, but I would not think especially if, you know, not just the division, like you were mentioning, if they they keep padding their lead over the Yankees, it's now up to six games for that top spot, then yeah, there's no real reason to push guys that hard unless somebody's just coming back from an injury and needs to get their timing right. So, so yeah, that's a big development. But it is. you want to be, you want to have a lead, you know, going into that yes. road trip, that last road trip. Like, I don't even, even if it's a one game or two game lead, uh, that, that's going to be a challenging trip. I mean, it's it's Wrigley Field, it's... Washington and those are two bad teams that aren't playing for anything right now, but there's a double header in there against the Nats and it's hard to sweep a double header. I mean, they've done it. Uh, they've done it this year, but it, it's hard. Uh, and that's why the weather situation, you know, probably stinks to them this week. I mean, you, if you get a double header later, th- later this week, uh, it, it's hard to sweep double headers. It just makes it harder. Uh, but I, I you know, <laughs> these, these next nine games are going to tell us a lot about, whether this is the same old Phillies and, and the same old Phillies, you know, would probably, you know, go five and four in these nine games or four and five in these nine games. Mm -hmm. If this is different, they're going to go six and three or seven and two. Yeah. And they're going to establish that this is different. This is a good team. Uh, This is a team that, that can beat bad teams and hold its own against great teams. And this is just better. But again, these next nine games, like you're probably, maybe you get Wheeler at the very end of that nine game stretch. Maybe you get Dominguez for the last, you know, three games of that stretch. Uh, maybe not going to have Castellanos. Yeah, you're not going to have Castellanos for for most, if not all, of this stretch. You're you're maybe you get Griff McGarry, you know, in the middle of this stretch. Uh, but you're a bit compromised here, and so you're looking for guys to step up. And obviously the, ch- the chief person on everyone's mind is going to be Aaron Nola. He's going to make probably three starts, two, two or three starts in this stretch uh, against bad teams. And uh, it's time to step up. I guess the only question then is, will they, which only they can answer. But like, I hate that we're even asking this question again. You know, p- a part of it, I guess, is this post-traumatic stress, <laughs> if you want to call it that, of previous September's, but this was supposed to be different. We were, we were hoping to feel different as September came around. I was hoping that because the Phillies had a lead for a playoff spot, they were, they were firmly at number five, you know, at this time last week coming in and, you know, feeling good, feeling okay. Even with my own personal misgivings about the West coast feeling like, okay, yeah, things are starting to feel a little bit different. And very quickly, all it took was a week. We're, we're asking ourselves these questions again. And, and I feel like in a week, we're probably, <laughs> we're probably going to be feeling different. I mean, it, it's I funny. I would love we, to. We joke about it every week. It feels like 
every time we record, uh, it's a new week and there's just, there's just a completely different feeling than the week before. And uh, I guess that's just a sign of like a, of a team that isn't great. They're good, but they're not great. Yeah. And, and maybe that's just the thing, right? It's funny because as we were talking about all the different ways they're going to limp through the next week and a half with this pitching situation, the way it is with all these injuries and and different configurations, I, I think to myself, you know, apart from Nola and apart from a healthy Wheeler, it's probably not too unlike what we'd probably see in the later games of a playoff series anyway, with some of these guys only getting a turn through the rotation and then just Correct. mayhem, right? Because you, you let Nolan Wheeler go deep, you know, Syndergaard might not even make the playoff roster, but even Ranger Suarez is in that book right now. He'd be on the roster, but you kind of have to wonder about how he's able to navigate multiple turns. And then things just get kind of crazy. So it's funny to think about pitching usage for this week or so being a potential playoff preview with yeah. the names that we're talking about. It, it feels very paradoxical to be uh-uh. at once in, in that mindset of, yes, they are a playoff team right now. And we're using our, you know, 18th and 19th pitchers on the depth chart from preseason to mix and match as we get into September again. Yeah, I mean, I think about a guy like Kyle Gibson. Uh-huh. Kyle Gibson's got to step up here. Yes, Kyle Gibson's got to give him six innings. And I'm not sure if you're applying, you're necessarily applying the, the third time to the order penalty with Gibson right now. Um, and we've seen, you know, Gibson is the epitome of a, you know, four or five starter, you know, fourth, fifth guy, like kind of uh-huh. on that trend line. Like he's not, I don't think he's bad enough to call him a five. I don't think he's good enough to necessarily call him a four. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. you get you get two good ones and a bad one. You get three good ones and a bad one. You just get yeah. those bad ones and they're really, really, really bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's very little in between with Kyle Gibson. Uh, you know, his next two starts are against, uh, it'll be Miami, and both against Miami, his next two. Uh, and, and he's got to step up. Like, he's got to give them length. Like, they need... They, they need some some better performances. He's pitched twice, three times against Miami this year, and each outing has gone at least six innings. Uh, he's given up uh, two earned runs or less in, in all three of those starts. So Good start. Uh, he, he, he's got a good uh, record so far against the Marlins this year, and uh, he's got, got to step up. I mean, you got this guy to be kind of a stabilizer for you, and, and, and when the, you know, the games are most difficult, when your pitching staff is, is, the th- is at its thinnest, which is happening right now. Uh, a guy like Kyle Gibson's got to, got to step up. It's kind of funny. You think about it. Kyle Gibson has, has spent uh, a long time in the major leagues. Uh, I mean, almost nine years of service time, parts of 10 seasons. Uh, he, he's thrown one inning in the postseason. Uh, he hasn't even started. He was a, he came in as a reliever. Uh, this guy's spent a lot of time in the major leagues and he wants to play in the playoffs and he can have a huge role in it right here. This is the time, man. You know, so many of these guys either haven't been to the playoffs altogether or haven't been in quite a few years. And it would be nice to see that that Gibson thought apply to, you know, at, well, broadly speaking, everybody. I, I do think they're hungry for it. I don't think they are feeling the heat. I don't think they're tensing up really all that much right now. I I, I don't. I don't get the feeling that this really is a, a team that feels the kind of impending doom that we sometimes do on the outside. I I, I don't. I, I think they're they they're still shielded. But it would be but nice with another bad week or another just so so week yes. that 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 you know layer of protection. I feel like is is gone. I really yes. do. We, we, we need to avoid a, a disaster week at home here. I, I I don't like feeling as though things have to be that dramatic. And I guess in, you know, in the grand scheme of things, in reality, they aren't. But for baseball's sake, yes, this is potentially dramatic. You can write off the West Coast trip as I am doing. I am I am suppressing it like all other trips to Arizona and San Francisco in recent memory from my brain. But you can't keep saying the sky isn't falling when it continues to um i can't really finish that metaphor you can <laughs> if you keep if you keep getting reasons to feel nervous you can only tell yourself you're not nervous for so long i guess is what i'm trying to get at here i'm doing that right now maybe i'm in a bit of denial i don't think i'm in denial because the team is like i'll say for the 20th time today still in that playoff spot they are still 
one of the wild card teams right now. But because that lead has eroded a little bit, they are now in a position where this time next week they could be out of playoff position if things go wrong. And we're at that point now where every week can potentially be that much more impactful. Yes, these games do count as much as the ones in April, for sure. It is that work in April through August that has gotten the Phillies to this point in playoff position. But now, as they are getting so close to that finish line, it feels more important that they play well against these teams right now, in this moment, even though these games do count for the same as the ones in the previous five months. And it's also important to remember, you know, we're, we're everything is in the context of what the Brewers are doing as well. And the Brewers this week have two more games at Coors Field, and they have a doubleheader against the Giants on Thursday. Uh, they have a weekend series against Cincinnati. And then they have a stretch of eight games right around the time when the Phillies have a difficult stretch. They have uh, two at St. Louis, and then they come home for a six-game homestand against all New York teams. Uh, the Yankees and oh. the Mets come go to Milwaukee. So they have their own challenges ahead. Yeah. Uh, and very clearly an inferior team to the Phillies. I think that's fair to say. It doesn't mean that they're going to finish behind the Phillies, but I think it, on paper, an inferior team right now to the Phillies. And, you know, do, do you care, Paul, like how the Phillies get in? Like, well, let's no. say it's just kind of like an ugly, let's say they just play 500 ball the rest of the way, which would get them to, I don't know, 86, 87-ish wins, right? I don't even know how many games are left. Yeah, something like this, that, yeah. But, you know, let's say they play 500-ish ball the rest of the way and they get in that way. Like, do, do you care? No, nah, man, I don't. I, I The thing I care about is health. You know, I, I want them to come in as close to full strength as they can possibly be. If they stumble their way into the sixth spot, maybe if they even relinquish their lead for a bit and come back or they barely hang on by the skin of their teeth and, and just make it maybe just on account of the tiebreaker, that won't matter to me. Uh it will, I think, justifiably matter to to some folks who would be worried about how they perform after that. I get that. I do. But I think this is a team that because it's top heavy when, you know, full at full strength, that they can hang in these in these playoff series. And they, they, they can. And as long as they get there, I think they've got a shot to surprise some people. But they do actually have to get there because it's not a given that that tiebreaker is even going to come into play. I hate that I'm saying that it's not even a given that it's going to come into play. So yeah. they got to get there. Yeah, twenty eight games left. So if they go fourteen and fourteen, that gets them to eighty seven, which should be enough. But you you can't like you can't lean on that, right? Because who knows? Maybe Milwaukee does surprise. Maybe they come out and because it's a homestand, win both of those New York series. I don't know. That's that's baseball, man. These weird things can happen, and especially if the Phillies are involved with their, you know their hexes real or imagined. Maybe this is the time when Milwaukee does pull something out. I don't know. Then Milwaukee stumbled in their own, right? Maybe they do get right and start playing better ball. And the Phillies take a little extra time to get, I don't know. You can twist this any number of ways. The simple fact of the matter is right in front of them, right in front of the Phillies is this opportunity to get things right, to reset everything, to get people's feelings off the teeter totter and feel like they can exhale. If they don't do it in this stretch, confidence is not going to be high that they're going to do it against Atlanta and Toronto. And by that point, people might be jamming their fists onto panic buttons. We don't want to get to that point. So it's important to cut it off at the pass right now while they have the best opportunity to do that. Give me one pitcher you think is going to step up in the next 10 days. One pitcher that I think is going to step up? Yeah. Hmm. You know, maybe I'll go with Gibson because... I, I like I like the fact that he's done well against Miami to this point. I won't think too much about how it might have given some Miami hitters extra looks. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to go that route. I think the I think the ability of this guy to just make it work sometimes, like you were saying, like he he can he can have outings where this stuff just doesn't look super crisp and he can manage to get through five plus or six. And you leave thinking like, Oh wow, we're actually winning this game three to two. And I think that might be what happens. And in that case, even if he does, you know, give you a, a quote unquote quality start of six innings and three runs or five and a third and two runs, whatever it is, 
that might just be what this rotation needs right now while they're waiting for guys to come back as reinforcements. So I'll go with Kyle Gibson. I'm rooting for him. I want him to get through this stretch. I want him to keep, you know, Miami tamp down a little bit. Um, and I'll hold my breath on Nola. His next start is going to be interesting. I'm, I'm not feeling super confident right now just because things are unnaturally strange with him late in the year. I would like to see him bounce back, and I think he can. But you know, I'm going to need to see a little bit more before I lean on him as, as the pick to click for the next week. You're not going to like my answer. I'm not? Yeah. <clears throat> I, I got, I've got a lot on Alvarado here. Uh, he hasn't been used that much of late, and he's one of the few guys out there who I think they're willing to push uh, you know, like back to back to back. Uh, mm. I think you're going to see him start uh, being being leaned on quite heavily. And his command has been exceptional now for, for, for months, you know, really. I mean, when you think about it, uh, since he came back from AAA, uh, 44 strikeouts and 13 walks and 27 innings, uh, it, it, it's been quite good. And uh, I think they're really going to lean on him here. I, I think what they're missing the most right now, Paul, is that like, they don't have like one of those nails, like lefty on lefty guys, like actually hand and Alvarado have better numbers against righties this year than they do lefties. The guy that they were hoping would get lefties out is Brogdon. You know, Brogdon's numbers against mm. lefties are terrific this year and it's because of that change up. Uh, but I just don't, I don't know how much trust you can have in him right now. Uh, I, I don't think they have a lot of trust in him right now. And so uh, I'm, I'm going with Alvarado. I think Alvarado is going to pitch a lot in the next few weeks. And uh, he's he's answered the call so far, and I think he's going to keep doing it. Well, first of all, I actually like that pick because I have turned the corner on Jose Alvarado, and I'm, I'm all in. I, I have no choice but to believe in what I'm seeing. And you're right, for the past couple of months, things have, have definitely been better to the point where I, I have no hate in my heart and I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm even, even as I sometimes get a little bit nervous with some of these outings. No, he's, he's, he's throwing the ball really well. I have, I don't have anything to say about Jose Alvarado other than positive things right now. The lefty thing though, that you mentioned the lefty on lefty thing that has bothered me since the days of Adam Morgan there, this team for some reason has not been able to get left-handed batters out with their left-handed pitching. They tried just, all those times. I tried to get a uh, Aaron ugh. Loop and and uh, Luis Avilan. Those Clintac, those like August Clintac trades. Wow, Luis Avilan. Yeah. Um, he, in the last five seasons, the Phillies have the sixth worst opponents on base percentage Ooh. as left-handed pitching um, against left-handed batters, which I thought was actually going to be worse, but I think underscores that for whatever reason. There's one part of this team's roster construction that just seems to not always, not always be there. And I absolutely agree with you. I would love to see all the left-handers, you know, especially in relief. Yes. But all the left-handers really kind of come through here. Um, it would be nice for me personally to, to try and put another one of these many, <laughs> one of these many demons out, uh, uh, put it to bed. You know, it's funny. As we talk through all these things, I it really is like therapy in that I get to <laughs> get to vent about all of the completely irrational, weird things that get stuck in my head from this baseball team. The West Coast road trips, the left-handed pitching against left-handed batters. It's wild how many things stick with you over the years. And I'm wondering, I'm hopeful, I'm wondering how much a trip to the playoffs will actually cure. I'd like to find out. <laughs> I would. I just I would. <laughs> I would like to find out. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. I just, uh... <laughs> All right. I feel like that's probably a good place to wrap it up. <laughs> How did you feel about Nick Maton right field? <laughs> I feel like that was like, I don't know, all these like little things. Cause like you get to the end of seasons and what are the common themes? It's like they run out of pitching and they have to come up with all these different ideas. And then they also invariably have someone playing out of position, whether it's Carlos Santana yep. at third base or Scott Kingery at shortstop, or I don't know. There's other examples that don't immediately come to mind, but Nick Maton in right field. I, 
and I give the kid a ton of credit. Yeah, I mean, he had literally never played out there until this past weekend. Like that, even took balls out there, and uh, he he kind of held his own. I don't know. He made like a really good relay throw, and I was thinking, holy crap, this is going to be the dugout was going crazy because like he misplayed that fly ball, but he recovered so well and got it in. And like they're going crazy because it was silly. I mean, he had misplayed it, but they all they all knew like the guy was thrown into a a, a brutal situation and and made a uh, you know made a, a decent play. And I don't know, it just made me laugh because uh, there it is. Like you check off all the boxes, like pitching concerns, injuries, you know, questions <laughs> from the outside about you know whether or not they have enough. And then there you go, guy playing out of position. And uh, Nick Maton, check that box. Could not have said it any better myself. I do love Nick Maton. I'm 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 happy he's on the team. But I think I do think that is a good place to wrap it up because yes, we we have many things that are beginning to creep up in the backs and sometimes fronts of our minds and have to hope. Nope, nope. Not hoping. We're expecting that the Phillies are going to play better this week and at least win both of these series against the Marlins and the Nationals at home. It's a big week. We'll see how and when some of these games get played, given the weather. It may not be until Wednesday or Thursday at this rate. Who knows? We'll have to see. Whatever the case, whenever they do it, whoever they're facing, whoever plays, got to win these games. Got to win these games and and fend off the the further lurking demons that are awaiting um, a, a, any slip up at this point you just got to play better baseball and hopefully the pressure will stay off it's not enjoyable as fans either to have to feel that pressure so i can't even imagine what it's like for uh for players and team folks who who happen to get exposed to that here's hoping they don't i can't wait uh in six days to talk to you about demons I can't wait to see what happens in the next six days. I can't wait to see what we're what we're uh, what we're talking about in six days. I, I don't I don't want to think about it too much. I'm just gonna just gonna store it up, gonna bottle it up, and then whatever happens happens. And then next week I think is gonna be fun either way. But we have to get there first. So here's hoping we get to next week alive. For the Athletic Philadelphia's Matt Gelb, I'm Paul Boyer. Thanks for listening to Philly's Therapy. Catch you next week. Bye.